Just Go With It is a podcast hosted by two millennials who swear. And also, it's about horror films, so listener discretion is advised. We will put specific content warnings in the show notes. Boo! <laughs> Excellent. So are we ready to confess our sins? I think we're ready to confess our sins. Okay. So to be clear, the first page of my notes is, is that Bill Paxton? No, no, no. Is that Bill Paxton? And then I finally <laughs> paused it to be like, I just got to know. Because at one point I was like, that's Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> that's Tobey Maguire. Who did you think was Tobey Maguire and Daniel Radcliffe? Okay. So I thought that one of the older versions of the brothers was uh, Tobey Maguire. Briefly. Briefly. Okay. Okay. And then I was like, oh, that's very much not him. And then when the angel's descending from the ceiling, when he has a vision underneath the car with the flaming yeah. sword. From a distance, it looked like Dan Radcliffe circa horns. I suppose. So, one second, little intermission before I say my sins. <laughs> Back to the sins. Um, Do you need my sins again or are the sins good? No, see, your sins were perfect. Okay. <laughs> Don't change a sin. My sin is... I confidently told multiple people that I was excited about this movie, which I've seen many times and watched as a kid because I said, I love Frankie Muniz and I know he's in this. <laughs> I literally, like, this is how deep I was into it is that we have a new person at work and they were talking about it. And I was like, oh, I have a podcast and I'm really excited. We're watching Frailty. Do you want to know what's so weird about that movie? It has Frankie Muniz in it. To the point where I went to Frankie Muniz's Twitter and I was like, what's he up to ever since he did Frailty? No. Frankie Muniz isn't in Frailty. He is not. Where did I get this memory? Because I was like fully convinced. It's got to be AU. It, I think that there's some alternate universe that I live in where uh-huh. he is in it. Yeah. Agent Cody and Banks he was good. steps up. <laughs> <laughs> After like rewatching this movie, I even in my head went, Frankie Muniz couldn't do this. No. I was like, this is not a Frankie Muniz movie. Like, it's not his vibe. It's so not his vibe. But the movie we're talking about, by the way, is Frailty. We're <laughs> talking about Frailty. We had to admit our sins first. Yeah, because that's you know, in keeping with the themes. Of it was this just film. funny because usually it's you who is like, Me? who is this? Who is that about? character? Uh, and here I am. I pulled a cape. Okay, well. Also, earlier, I did this, and everybody will know who this is, an impression of, but Kate, <laughs> I said, all right, all right, all right. And Kate went, oh, so that is Matthew McConaughey. I thought that was Owen Wilson. <laughs> They're the same man. <laughs> they are so not. <laughs> Owen Wilson is the wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah, that's the same to me. It's <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Two different weird men. <laughs> one fair. Man a lot of weird noises, men are you know? just kind of like a conglomerate, you know? Yeah. <laughs> They're a hive mind. That was so fucking funny. <laughs> We're talking about frailty. It's got Matthew McConaughey, not Owen Wilson, and no Frankie Muniz. But it does have Bill Paxton. But it does have Bill Paxton. Well, I get mixed up with Dennis Quaid. <laughs> you know what? That one's fair. Thank you. <laughs> I'll give you that Thank one. Thank you. This is upside down. <laughs> I opened my notes like confidently and the whole book was upside down. The confidence you looked at, you're like, this is not my phone. I looked at it for a while going, can I pull this off? No. <laughs> We're talking about frailty. It was made in 2001. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a few facts. I did not find a lot on like how it was made. And like I, you know, I found one kind of fun fact. We'll get to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
This movie was actually directed by Bill Paxton. Yeah. Uh, it was his first directorial debut. Uh, I have some movies that he acted in, and then I have, I think, the only other thing he directed, other than, I think, some music videos. Um, so Bill Paxton, he was Parent in... Trap, got it. <laughs> I know, it's Dennis Quaid. It's not Dennis Quaid! <laughs> Weird Science, Near Dark, Aliens, Tombstone, True Lies, Apollo 13, Twister, which you love, and Titanic. Uh, I swallowed real loud, sorry. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> Who was he in... I've already forgotten. Um, I can tell tits. you right now. I won't know the answer. Okay. It was before Aliens that you said. Before Aliens? Aliens? Oh, uh, was it possibly uh, Near Dark? No. Weird Science. Actually, maybe it was after Aliens. Tombstone. <laughs> Who was he in Tombstone? I love Tombstone. I've never seen Tombstone. Oh, well, I have no nostalgia anymore. for the movie Holes. Well, um, I've, Tombstone is the only Western that I like. Is it a Western? Okay. Uh, I assumed it was Western, but I was like, I don't know this. Um, well, it's from the year I was born, so... Like, oh, yeah. Oh, shit. That's George Cosmatos. Is Cosmatos... Wait, hold on. Cosmatos. Thank you. Uh, we <laughs> I don't know, know if that's I how you say don't... it. It just feels... Chia Roscaro. Chia Roscaro. Uh, oh, he was Morgan... Okay, yeah, that makes sense now. Got it, got it, got it. I love all these good... Someday we'll do Tombstone, because yeah. I don't know anything about this. Um, be a special episode. <laughs> yeah, not at all horror film. Not at all. Um, so yeah, Twister, Titanic, uh, he directed also The Greatest Game Ever Played. Mm. I have not seen it. Nor I. I, part of me feels like it's about golf. Am I, am I right or wrong? See, I'm getting it, I am getting it mixed up with The Most Dangerous Game, which is about humans hunting humans. Oh no. I feel like this one. And I was like, yeah, it's pretty cutthroat. (laughs) I feel like this might be about golf, but who knows? I like the mystery. Okay. Um, I have another fun fact about Bill Paxton, but we'll get to it. Um, it was written by Brent Hanley. Mm -hmm. Um, could not find a lot about him. I do not know why. I could only find, like, he's married to this person. I went, that's nice. And it was also just nobody I knew, but yeah. good for him. Uh, he wrote, apparently, something called The Bottoms, <laughs> which made me do that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and something called The Violent Bared Away. I wondered briefly if this was one title. So if someone knows, let me know if it's called The Bottoms, The Violent Bared Away, or if it's two different movies because they were separated. Super weird on IMDb. Um, I was like, what am I looking at here? Who's to say? Who's to say? So I don't know. But the cinematography, this was fun. Mm -hmm. Cinematography was Bill Butler. um, And these are some movies that he's done. He's done The Conversation, Jaws, and three Rocky sequels. Hmm. And then a very interesting fact is... He finished One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He did not start that because mm. the original cinematographer, uh, Haskell Wexler, was fired. So this man took over, and then he actually went on to be nominated for Best Cinematography at the Academy Awards. Holy shit. Which, I, if I had been fired from a movie, and I'm not saying that their cinematography would have been the same, because that's not how it works, but mm. it just, it would suck yeah. if I was like... Oh, cool. Cool for you. That's great. Shit. What movie <laughs> was it we covered where the cinematographer went out? Like, he went down with the ship because like, um, the film director whatever. Oh, shit. There were, like, I... blurry shots. And he was like, well, if you fire a crew, you have to fire me. And they were like, okay, deuces. It wasn't Poltergeist, was but I think scream? it was Steven Spielberg. I, oh, no. It was Scream. Okay. I think. I think it was Scream or another movie that someone had done that was similar to Scream. Like, Halloween. one of his other movies. Okay. Anyway, Something like that, yeah. yes. But that did happen, and that's what this reminded me of. And I was like, oh, poor person. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the budget. Yes. The budget was $11 million. Okay. Do you know how much it made? And this is worldwide. Hmm. Well, it was kind of a box office flop, even though it was critically well-received. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say I believe in you. 
12 million. Really close. 17.4 million. That is probably the closest. It's very close. <laughs> um, yeah. So it like, it made its money back, but it wasn't incredible. Um, I don't remember. I don't remember. It came out in 2001. Obviously, I don't think at that point I was watching that many horror movies. So I have no fucking clue. I never heard about it. But you're right. It was, for the most part, well acclaimed. Like people did like it. Critics were yeah. like, yeah, no, it's quite good. People Ebert liked gave it four stars. Yeah, I know. People liked the story and said that it was interesting and weird and different and all this. But I read one, this is my one fun fact, is that this is one critic who didn't like it. The reason he didn't like it is because he said the murders taking place in front of the young sons is disturbing. And I find it to be an abuse of cinematic power. Which, interesting. Huh. Because there are so many other movies where, like, worse things happen to kids or in front of kids. And he was like, this movie's too much. And I was just like... They, they don't show blood until, like, the last scene. Yeah. It was just interesting. I was like, huh. oh, wow, he's got strong opinions about yeah. royalty. Um, and then my last fun fact about Bill Paxton is he was in Titanic. He played, like, the guy in the beginning who was searching for the heart of the ocean and, like, not actually on the ship, but mm, the guy mm, telling okay. the story sort of thing or listening to the story. Um, he apparently just enjoyed the story of the Titanic and everything about it so much that he did go on to work with James Cameron again to make the documentary. And I got two conflicting answers to this. One says that he straight up got to go and see the remains of Titanic. Maybe not in person necessarily, but like, um, remotely through Mm -hmm. the little robots that go down there. And one says, no, he did not. Either way, he did help with the documentary, and it's apparently quite good. Apparently, James Cameron, like, in the documentary, makes a lot of apologies about not treating the lives of the actual people Mm -hmm. on the Titanic well, and Mm -hmm. he gives apologies to very specific family members, apparently. Okay. Um, And Bill Paxton just loved it. Yeah. He just wanted to help, so he, like, helped with all of the documentary. Bill Paxton (laughs) was apparently very well-liked in Hollywood, uh, I can, I mean, I can see, yeah. see that. He seems like a very sweet person from like interviews and stuff that I've seen. Like, he's yeah. chill and he loved the Titanic. <laughs> he's very I passionate mean, about it, apparently. Yeah. The, I think he died in 2017. Yeah, he did. He passed okay. away. Um, but yeah, he apparently yeah. worked on it and the documentary's on Disney Plus. So if anybody wants to watch it, mm. I think it's called Ghosts of the Abyss. Um, and they do really cool things where they take the footage um, from the, the wreck at the bottom of the ocean and they recreate it so that they can superimpose what it would have looked like mm. on the bottom of the ocean. That's really cool. Very interesting. I used to be really weirdly obsessed with like Titanic, but yeah. only like the remains of it. It was weird. I don't know. I used to just look at the wreckage pictures all the time and be like, whoa. Yeah, there's like this deep unsettling, but like uh, tempting thing about wrecks. Like, yes things under the ocean that used to be on top of the ocean specifically under underwater yeah like, and i have had like a fascination with it mm-hmm. and i love caitlin doty so much mm-hmm. and uh she's ask mortician on yes. youtube you told me about this yeah. i watched all of these yeah and she has incredible ones about like um what is it it's one of the great lakes one of the great lakes yeah i yeah. watched this one the edmund fitzgerald that was it and she's talking about like the uh 
kind of like guiding force of the town is like, no, that's their burial. Yeah. Like, don't fucking go down in there and take pictures of it because that's right. their grave. Like, and it, like, they had no choice. That's where they're buried. Yeah. And we don't want their bodies brought back because they would have wanted to be buried at sea. Right. And so there's like all of this culture around like seafaring mm-hmm. stuff. It's and very then, interesting. So like, I respect that like, I'm not going to go see it because that'd be disrespectful as shit. Right. I'm fascinated by underwater. Always decay i find it very fascinating mostly because it's completely just undisturbed yeah other than like sea creatures and stuff like that but you can go down and see like plates and cups Mm. and like everything from the titanic and it's like weirdly well preserved in some cases and it just freaks me out and i like have this morbid fascination with it so like if there's a raccoon (sighs) involved no human death at all sign me up i want to see it right i will respectfully go but if like a human died no i'm not gonna do the thing it feels very exploitative and rude it's like yeah but so that was titanic corner um corner (laughs) (laughs) uh and i know i'm ready to summarize this and by ready i mean not ready at all Mm -hmm, because it's mm -hmm. a wild one um a father of two sons believes that he is getting messages from god and thinks he needs to murder demons Mm -hmm, but whoops the demons are just people maybe (laughs) i was like maybe maybe I don't know. <laughs> it's a very cheeky movie in that way. Mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. know if I would ever describe frailty as cheeky, but uh-uh. maybe. Uh, why not? <laughs> but give me a real summary because I'm I'm actually very curious. I never read summaries because I like to be surprised. Yeah. But I'm just curious how they would summarize this one because it's fucking weird. I also don't read them. I cold read them when I, like, I copy and paste them in. Right. So this is from Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Set in present day Texas. Uh, two decades ago. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, frailty centers on the FBI search for a serial killer who calls himself God's Hands. Uh-huh. McConaughey plays Fenton Meeks, a young man who approaches the lead investigator one night claiming he knows the identity of the killer. The FBI agent is curious, but unimpressed until Fenton reveals that the killer is his younger brother, Adam. This is a film about faith, family, and the end of innocence. Interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. End of innocence, indeed. Yeah, well, but usually end of innocence is like, ugh, you know, I, I smoked a cigarette. <laughs> it's yeah. not usually my dad murders men in yeah. the garage and I help. <laughs> to me, like the ultimate end of innocence book, which I desperately hate, mm-hmm. is Bridge to Arabithia. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that book so much. <laughs> I was livid. Dude. <laughs> I actually have never read it. Um, I've seen the movie. But even then, I was, I was I'm a heartless person. I watch these movies and I do weep. I cry. Don't get me wrong. But I, I watch them again and again. And I, I'm a glutton for sadness, apparently. Oh, so when people were like, oh, the book is so sad. I was like, I'm not going to read it because I will just keep reading it. Yeah. I'm a freak. <laughs> I mean, I'm that way with music, but I cannot do it with TV shows or movies. And I get that 100%. Yeah. But you're right. It, that, that is a very like, bad things happen, kid. Oh, God. Yeah. Or like My Girl, which I've never seen, oh, but I've read the summary so of. Oh, My so good. Yes, it's... Oh, that one's a sad one. Mm-hmm. Again. I, I don't watch these we'll movies. We'll watch it again and again. Damn it. <laughs> I always learn more about you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like, my favorite movie of all time, besides Swiss Army Man, is Harold and Maude. Oh. Devastating. Fucking devastating, I think. But people are like, that's your that's your favorite? Huh? I'm like, yeah, no. I could watch it over and over again. And I will cry every time. Huh. <laughs> little freak. The manic energy in your yeah, eyes. Like, yeah. I was like, and I'll watch it again. I'm trying to think of like a really sad movie that I will watch and enjoy. Fox and the Hound. I will watch Fox and the Hound and just be like, yeah. 
my heart's breaking. No. I know. I don't I know what it do. is. Oh, God. Um, oh, does that mean it's time for Nerd Corner? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Because I heard, I like when I get here early and Kate looks stuff up on how to pronounce people's names. And I'm always like, I don't know what I'm, st- I'm in store for. Mm-hmm. But now I know how to say it. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so whisk me away. Okay. So the names I can now pronounce. Do you have any guesses on what I shall cover? Oh, God. I... See, my my guess is going to be so obvious. I think it's going to be faith-based, but mm-hmm. I know a little bit about some philosophers that you were going to cover, and you said you weren't sure if you were going to go in that direction. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like, is it? It was about, like, free will and if we actually have control over our lives and if we're just predestined. Okay. So uh, let's get into this. Okay. <laughs> when you suggested frailty, I was it's like, hell yeah. Cards again. There's... <laughs> Again, <laughs> the ultimate fucking you pulled the rug out from under me. I was like, I know this is gonna be about dreams, and you were like, kids were put on milk cartons, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Continue. Oh, that was fun. <laughs> uh, so I was like super pumped. I was like, fuck yeah, there's an essay in the book for that, the yeah. Divine Horror book, which is an awesome book, really come in handy. Like, oh, it's really come in handy. I recommend apparently because this is great. Yeah. So then I watched Frailty, and I was like, huh. And then I read the first two pages of the essay, and I saw names of philosophers, and I did panic a bit. Because I do not know philosophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that it's a field of study, uh, not one that I have studied. And I remember the first class that I took in grad school, mm-hmm. they were talking philosophy like we should know it. Like everyone really? took philosophy. And I didn't know any of it. And I thought that I it was a mistake. Like from my very first class, I was like, I don't belong here. Uh that's so strange. It was very like, upsetting. I find philosophy to be not a niche subject, but just like, am I saying niche, right? Niche. Yeah. Niche. I, I find it to be like a, a subject that, I don't know, not everybody. That's weird. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so that like gets into like the program I was in was very much like theory and I've oh. always been more leaning towards praxis. And okay. there's also a lot of like investment in philosophy and Freud for some fucking reason. Well, it's always Freud. I fucking hate <laughs> Freud. Like. My undergrad is in psychology, so I hate Freud. And then right. my second degree, they're like, Freud! I was like, why? No, get him out of here! <laughs> Wait, he's not invited. Anyway. <laughs> Freud, you're not invited. It is a cigar. Get out. <laughs> I'm <wheeze> laughing. <laughs> so I panicked a little bit on the first two pages, but then I finished the essay. Mm-hmm. And while they do start with philosophy talk of Nietzsche and Kierkegaard, those are the names mm-hmm. I looked up, yeah. Uh, they do get into the topics I feel much more equipped to discuss. Okay. American exceptionalism. <laughs> God damn it. Hey, I was sitting here like, I think I got it this time. Uh-huh. I think I got it. And then yeah. you fucking, yoink. <laughs> That's my favorite One pastime. Of these days. One of these days I'm going to fucking get it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll never, be like, I'll uh, actually, it. I lost my notes. I'm sorry. I'm like, you bitch. It's like when I lie about the budget. Yep. I'm just like, no, I don't know what it is. <laughs> All right. Whisk me away. I actually, last night, drew, mm-hmm. like, a map to map out my thesis statement, but then I, I didn't that. actually put it entirely into words, so I just have a map. Okay, hell yeah. But the summary of that, generally, is we're going to start out with American exceptionalism mm-hmm. and explore several facets of that kind of belief system or right. orientation, and then hone in on one specific aspect. Okay. From there, we'll connect it to the twist in our film. Mm. If you haven't seen Frailty... Uh, spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. Uh, we're gonna spoil the whole fucking thing. Yeah, I was gonna say, this is one that, like, I do think there is a pretty intense spoiler, and I don't want to ruin it for anyone who hasn't seen it. So if you do want to watch it, just watch it first. Mm -hmm. If you don't give a fuck and you don't care, just continue. Keep going. Here we go. Yep. So, 
we'll get to the twist when we get to the twist. Right. So first off, what is American exceptionalism? Okay. It's one of those phrases I've heard used and I've heard and used without really examining all the different components. Mm -hmm. And I was pretty sure based on context clues that I was right, but I wanted to get a solid definition. Yes. So foreign policy came through for us as it never does. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It never does. So uh, this is a direct quote. That was good. That was nice. <laughs> what are you that getting saucy from. with it now? I made fun of you once, and now you're like, I gotta change it. <laughs> uh, most statements of American exceptionalism presume that America's values, political system, and history are unique and worthy of universal admiration. Mm-hmm. They also imply that the United States is both destined and entitled to play a distinct and positive role on the world stage. And that last part really fucking gets me. Yeah. Destined and entitled. What is more horrific than someone believing that they're not only meant to conquer, but they have a right to it? It's, well, it's gross. I anyway. hate that. Mm-hmm. But it feels right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Of course we do. Yeah. Of course, of we, course do. we do. So anyway, this is further broken down into five kind of like component parts or fallacies. Mm-hmm. Like five, not misconceptions, but five ways in which it's inaccurate that we're like to say that we're exceptional. Yeah. Uh, grab my LaCroix. I'm going to grip it and rip it just real quick. Grip it and rip it. It has been ripped. It has been ripped. (laughs) Okay. So other people will break it down in different ways, but I found this article to be very like, um, consumable, (laughs) uh, approachable, accessible. Accessible. There There we go. (laughs) Yes. I was like, I can eat this. Uh, (laughs) I'm hungry. (laughs) So basically those through the five major fallacies that comprise this ideology of American exceptionalism. Mm -hmm. First and foremost, American exceptionalism itself is exceptional. That is the lie, obviously. Yeah. So it's not new, and we're not original or special in thinking that we're special. The British had their fucked up white man's burden, and the yeah. French had their own mission of civilization. Yeah. We know that other nations have had their time in the spotlight, and we're a relatively young country, but for some reason we still believe that we're radically different and better than everyone else, and that itself is a new thing. So we're like, we're doing it in different ways, and the first time, it's, yeah. So just like, God, from start, like everyone thinks like their nation is exceptional. Yeah. We're not the first. I said it in the Gremlins episode. I'll say it again. It's not always good to be number one, America. Like it's not (laughs) number one. Number one. It's not always the best. Maybe just take a back seat, guys. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The next fallacy. Mm -hmm. We behave better. (laughs) We don't. (laughs) Can you continue? We believe that democracy equals meritocracy. <laughs> we also believe that we're more virtuous, peaceful, and freedom-loving than other nations. And that means that the I'm actions we it. take are good. <laughs> peaceful! I know! Virtuous? I'm not joking. This is not a bit. This is the funniest thing. <laughs> These are words that, like, I feel like this is a fucking joke, right? Know, right? People don't think America is any of those things, right? We can't, like... Or U.S. Like, we're not. You can't. You can't think that, can you? Except when I think about how I was taught as a kid. People were like, we're free and we're happy. And I'm like, yeah. We're fucking not. Nope. Or if we're oh. free, it's at the expense of other people who Literally. are not. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. The way, like, oh, this virtuous. is a, like, specific example. Mm. But, like, the way we were taught about the first Thanksgiving. Oh, my God. The first Thanksgiving. Yeah. And then. You, we had to do plays. Did you do the play? Yeah. When you're like, oh my god, all the Native Americans come uh-huh. over and hold hands. And they would put little paper feathers. Little paper feathers. Yeah. Oh my god. I was a pilgrim. I had to wear the dumb little hat and the little buckles yeah. on the shoe. Bullshit. Fucking <laughs> okay, bullshit. We've talked about this before. Yeah. We've talked about the Thanksgiving play. 
Sorry, continue. So, <laughs> that was just so, funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just going to keep being funny oh, about like how no. great we think we are. <laughs> uh, so basically we think that we have good intentions and we have a noble cause. And so for like, and therefore the actions we take are just inherently good. Right. Uh, this is laughably wrong. Like no matter I, the cause, we're like, yeah. we did it. Mm-hmm. Have you seen, this is such a specific quote, but did you watch like Peacemaker or this new Suicide Squad or anything like that? Uh, there is literally a quote from the guy who plays Peacemaker, mm-hmm. John Cena, who is like this American, like, I'm here to make peace. And his quote is like, I'm, I want peace and I don't care how many people I have to kill to get it. And it's so America. Like, that's and that's so the joke America. is that he is like, I don't care how many women, children, and men I have to murder to get peace. That's us. <laughs> it is. Sorry, continue. But that's what it reminded me of. Yeah. So we've been a violent colonizing force from the beginning. And we continue disrupting foreign governments that make us feel inferior at every opportunity. If someone's like proving that socialism could work, we're like, never mind. You can't, you can't talk. Shh, 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 shh. Okay. not heard, baby. And then we like undermine them. Touch your little mouth. We also refuse to sign most international human rights pledges and treaties. Oh my God. That other countries do sign so next bit our success is due to our genius we have immense wealth and technological progress it's got to be because of our intelligence and ingenuity right no we were basically lucky to stumble upon a land with navigable rivers an abundance of natural resources and an indigenous population that didn't have immunity to our diseases that last part is extra grim uh the article i read said quote less advanced native population and i was like what fuck you fuck you indigenous folks were in no way less advanced so that's like infuriating that it said that so like grain of salt we literally bought like brought a bunch of fucking diseases over Mm -hmm. that no one had any way of fighting and we were like oops and then now you're gonna say they're less advanced (laughs) yeah it was infuriating Mm -hmm. oh in case you couldn't tell, this article is written by an old white man. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I know that you like had a hard time. <laughs> oh no, I wasn't tone. sure. Yeah, but uh, yeah, maybe yeah. I get it now. Yeah. So the author, I just pulled that part. I was like, I'm not gonna say that like it's true because it's not true that like yeah. they were less advanced. That's just that's false. False. So fucking uh, false. But they did not have an immunity to our diseases, and we were able to because see we're this nasty. land. Yeah. With a wealth of natural resources built in waterways. Right. And then use some of the knowledge taken from indigenous folks who had been the stewards of the land. So, like, stop saying the founding fathers were radically forward thinking. They were slavers who didn't believe that women had rights. Oh so, gosh. like, there's this hero worship of the founding fathers in a People way that I love them. The same with the Constitution. Everyone's like, the Constitution, like, blah, blah, blah. I was like, fucking relax. Yeah. The Constitution was written at such a fucking horrible time. And people mm-hmm. were like, but it's in the Constitution. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. I like hold up a lighter. I'm like, is it though? Is it though? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to steal it. Just like Nicolas Cage. Is that what he steals? Declaration of Independence. Shit. I've never seen it. I've never seen Shrek. I've never seen National Treasure. (sighs) I know. I'm sorry. Do you want to see it? Yes, I want to see it. Let's watch it. Okay, we should watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so moving on. Moving on. Uh, We're responsible for any good things happening around the globe. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Our foreign policy. Top tier. So good. So here is a small selection of quotes over the past few decades showing how we view ourselves and our actions on the it's world stage. It's going to make me mad, okay. Bill Clinton. The U.S. has been, quote, indispensable to the forging of stable political relations. <laughs> okay. Harvard University political scientist Samuel P. Huntington, uh-huh. quote, the leadership of the U.S. was essential to the future of freedom, democracy, open economics, or open economies, and international order in the world. 
And then we get to the real good one. Uh, oh, journalist no. Michael Hirsch said in his okay. book, At War With Ourselves, uh-huh. that the power and the leadership of the U.S. is, quote, the greatest gift the world has received in many, many centuries, possibly all of recorded history. Uh-huh. <laughs> the greatest gift? Uh-huh. <laughs> I need a receipt. It's I'm like, do you have a gift receipt? It. <laughs> you can Whoa. ask for a gift receipt. You can ask for a gift receipt. <laughs> The greatest gift that I've ever get. That's like me when I was like five years old and I gave my mom this horrendous, disgusting dragon pin that she paid for that was the size of like my hand. And I was like, that's the greatest gift I've ever given. And you're welcome, Kelly. You're going to love it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. No! <laughs> <laughs> right. What are you talking about? That's so a very small selection. Uh Basically, we're really good at saying that we're great. This is one of my favorite nerd quotes because I've never <laughs> the audacity, uh-huh. and I know where it's going because frailty. Mm-hmm. I get it. I already see it, and mm-hmm. I'm pumped. Get to mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You know. So the writer of this article makes sure to say that we've contributed some good things to the world, but I think that is heavily dependent on the perspective and context. So I'm not yeah. going to say that in the centuries America has been up and kicking that we haven't done some good shit. I am saying, however. We cannot take credit for good things that may be happening in countries where we've intervened, invaded, or had some presence within. And just been all around fucking terrible, too. Okay. Yep. <laughs> uh, let's see. This is a long, 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 long quote. Okay. Uh, don't need it. It's based. Sorry. I was like, do I want to include this? No. It's basically saying, like, yeah, the U.S. did legalize this uh, a decade or two after most other countries did. And, yeah, sure, they are doing this, but Europe did it, like, three years ago. Yeah. Oh, my God. So not even looking at our long history of colonization and, like, our present colonization, uh, we were on the wrong side of apartheid in South Africa, according to this article. I don't know much about that. Uh, That's what the article said. Yeah. Uh, We are the primary producers of greenhouse gases. We back dictators when it benefits our oil interests. So, like, TLDR, we take a lot of credit when things go well and deflect or deny when shit hits the fan. (laughs) Does that feel like an accurate summary to you? 100%. So are we ready for the last aspect? Absolutely. This is the one that arguably connects the most to the film. Okay. Our choices and power are supported by God. Okay. Yes. Yep. I see now. Ah, I was right. Okay. I was like, I think I know where we're going. <laughs> I have a fun direct quote for you. Oh, yes. A crucial component of American exceptionalism is the belief that the United States has a divinely ordained mission to lead the rest of the world. Ronald Reagan told audiences that there was, quote, some divine plan that had placed America here. And once quoted Pope Pius Twelfth. Sure. <laughs> Sounds like I piped in later. Like, yeah. Twelve. The twelve. Papyrus. Papyrus. I know what you did. Papyrus. I swear to God, this is our most hectic episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like it's frantic energy. I'm just like, <laughs> I came in hot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a PBR. I'm, I'm losing it. <sighs> uh, let's see. So Papias the twelfth said, uh, "Into the hands of America, God has placed the destinies of an afflicted mankind." Bush offered a similar view in two thousand four, saying, "Quote: We have a calling from beyond the stars to stand for freedom." That sounds like aliens are like, "Yo, we yeah. got you." Yep. In the AU, he was like, "So the Martians have that's, some ideas." That's George Bush accidentally admitting yep, that yep. he knows there are aliens, and then being like, "I meant God. Oh God, shit! I meant God. I meant the heavenly stars, <laughs> I meant child. The heavenly stars." <laughs> I can't. And then my favorite quote: the same idea was expressed, albeit less nobly, in oh, Otto von Bismarck's alleged quip that, "Quote: God has a special providence for fools, drunks, and the United States." <laughs> 
we're just God's little mistake. <laughs> and God's just like, oh no. <laughs> He's like, I tried control Z and it didn't work. He's like, fuck no. <laughs> so oh. going through this, despite yes. a supposed separation between church and state, uh-huh. our leaders are quick to invoke God in their speeches. They say, God bless America. And in their rhetoric, they make a connection between God's will and our actions as a nation, saying uh-huh. that they are aligned. That's the macrocosm of American exceptionalism and religion. Yeah. Let's look at the microcosm. Let's do it. Yeah. So the movie takes us to Texas, an unmistakably Western state. <laughs> Partner. Partner. <laughs> with a storied history of fierce independence. Whew. Yeah. So there's repeated imagery that sets it up like a Western film, especially the last scene. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's like the cowboy in pursuit of justice and ignoring laws that would stand in the way of that lofty mission. Right. And with the twist, there's like a flip, obviously. So yeah. like upon the second watch, it's more cowboy. On the first watch, it's more like, I'm concerned about you. Yeah. And <laughs> we have the uh, oh, banner hanging up. What's it called? Uh, intervention. Yeah. The intervention yeah. banner. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in Texas, we have a family that, because of a dream the father had, now believes that they're exceptional among yeah. other mortals. Mm-hmm. They have been chosen by God mm-hmm. to wield power in pursuit of the assumed greater good. Dad Meeks see him, sees himself as an agent of God's will and therefore above earthly law. Yeah, He believes his acts of murder are good because of his divine guidance and blessing, and when he is faced with a choice to abandon his mission or do something he finds aberrant, he justifies his actions and murders the sheriff. Yep. Abhorrent. Abhorrent. Thank you. I was like, I said it wrong too. Just now, I was like, abhorrent. (laughs) Abhorrent. Abhorrent. Uh, So he murders the sheriff, uh, but it's not his fault. It's Fenton's fault. Right. Yeah. Uh, Adam continues in the vein and then becomes the law in his own town. Yeah. We end with an image of Adam, seemingly triumphant and full of glorious purpose. (sighs) So proud of himself. Standing like a cowboy in a western, looking into the distance. (laughs) He's different. We did it, folks. Peace. Peace. <laughs> Partner. Partner. Peace. peace. <laughs> Aliens told me to do it. <laughs> Adam's different. He's chosen. He's built for it. <laughs> Why? I don't know. It just is. Maybe he's born with it. Maybe he's born tough. <laughs> I am not well. I'm unwell. <laughs> I'm not thriving. <laughs> I am not in my lane. I am not moisturized. I am not. <laughs> so because he is exceptional, mm-hmm. he can take credit for the wins and shift the blame. Mm-hmm. Does this sound familiar? Does it? It's almost like a small-scale version of American exceptionalism in this family. Hmm. So that's why I think it's so interesting to see how people frame the twist. Yeah. Because a lot of folks talk about like rewatching the movie and looking at Dad Meeks as the hero <laughs> and Fenton as the villain. But that isn't, yeah, that's not asking the question that I think is important. So it's even if a greater force did make it possible for them to carry out these actions, does that make it good? Exactly. Does that make it right? So for the bulk of the movie, we are led to believe that Dad Meeks is, at best, unwell and murdering innocent people in the name of God. Right. Until the twist, it's actually relatively secular. It's not saying God and demons exist. It's saying this man believes they do. Right. And is throwing his entire family into turmoil and violence based on that belief. Right. However, when that twist hits, you suddenly realize that Dad Meeks was right. Mm-hmm. He was given visions and he was protected from discovery due to some supernatural intervention. Right. The implicit assumption is that mm-hmm. God is directing him to destroy demons. Right. Someone asked, though, in a Reddit thread, I think it was titled, Can we talk about the last scene in Frailty? We all just have a little talk. <clears throat> Someone asked, why is there ominous music at the end instead of triumphant music? 
for after no all, good reason. <laughs> Adam's gotten away with it. Right. He's going to keep serving the mission and keep destroying demons, and he really can't be stopped. So why is the music ominous and not victorious? And I think that gets to the question, like, if in this movie's universe, mm-hmm. God instructed the Meeks to kill demons, does that make Dad and Adam heroes or villains? And this is especially fascinating to cover right after one where the devil was ostensibly the hero. Right. And a pretty standard reading of this movie, at least to me, would be, wowza, God really did choose them as demon hunters and they have a rough job to do, but demons are unquestionably bad and God is unquestionably good. And I'm not saying that's an incorrect reading, but I think that we should situate that in the context of American exceptionalism in the context of American exceptionalism and our history of manifest destiny. Yes. So what does it mean to have this movie? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it came out like in in between 2000 and 2002. Yeah. I'm bad at time. It's 2000, yeah, 2001 yeah. I think is when it released. I okay. Think. So we also have that like right around 9/11. Yep. And mm-hmm. that gets into like really heavy patriotism and American exceptionalism. Yeah, it was like yeah, aggressive. <clears throat> and we also have just centuries of our way of thinking about this yeah and then we have it connected to the religion that is not technically a state religion because in theory we have separation Separation of church and state and And then we have this family this white family in texas this western state with like fierce independence that are like we're on a mission from god it's not as cool as the blues brothers and (laughs) damn it they're like okay well we're going to destroy demons and so i think it's really interesting to say like how do you view the twist because an uncritical, to me, this is not saying like anyone that believes this is uncritical yeah. or like whatever, but I could see this being showed in like a church Bible study. Oh, uh, I could see it 100%. Where it's like God chose them, no one understands, this is like the path that true believers take sometimes. And I can see an uncritical reading of it being like, you know, sometimes like you have to go to war against demons. And that scares me. And so that's why I choose not to read it that way. <laughs> right. I, absolutely not. But Whew. I think it's fascinating to tie to, like, look at this family as a broader implication of American exceptionalism. And, 100%. like, we have the power to do something. Does that make it right? Does that make us good? Exactly. Okay. That's Nerd Corner. God, that was good. Fuck. Thank you. <laughs> Sometimes it's so good I just want to, like, scream. Because ah. ah. <laughs> that's everything that I felt about this whole movie. Mm-hmm. I just didn't have words for it. Mm-hmm. Is that, like... Just because you are capable of something and you've been given this gift and mm-hmm. blah, 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 does it mean that you are you should be able to do that? Just because you can doesn't mean you should yeah. type thing. Yeah. Like, And I want to give credit. I pulled most of like mm-hmm. that theory from Divine Horror. Interesting. Mm-hmm. The, it makes so much sense. To me, because I haven't seen this since I was younger, I watched this and I had forgotten the twist, actually. Well... I, I'm going to say the big twist now so oh, that yeah. people yeah, know, yeah. just so you know, if you're still listening and you mm-hmm. want to watch this, I'm about to give out the big twist yeah. and I don't want to ruin this for you. Matthew McConaughey plays Fenton. They even say that in the um, uh, thing you read in the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, summary. Yep. Um, he's not Fenton. It is Adam. Mm-hmm. Um, he is playing Fenton to get close to the sheriff because the sheriff is a demon, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Um, in my mind, like watching this a second time, I forgot that he was Adam. Mm-hmm. I even have a note that says like, wow, the casting is great. He even looks like young Fenton. I was like, this is amazing. And literally I find out he's Adam and yeah. I'm like, oh fuck. Yeah. And it, it was just like, for me, I was like, oh, I can see how he's the villain. Like I can 100% read this now as him being the villain. It terrified me. Mm-hmm. So thinking about someone watching it and looking at Matthew McConaughey's character and being mm-hmm. like, 
brave. Wow. Mm-hmm. Makes me unsettled. Mm-hmm. But that that freaked me out. So yeah. like I watched it, hadn't seen it in a long time, forgot the twist. Loved it, loved the twist, because I was like, no way! Yeah. And then, because I knew the twist of it being real, you mm-hmm. know, but I forgot that Fenton was not Matthew McConaughey's yeah. character. So I saw him as the villain. Yeah. Immediately, as soon as he said he was Adam, I was like, oh, this yeah. is a villain. Fuck. Yeah. I was on Fenton's side from the beginning of this movie, and. Because anybody who's not. Yeah, so <laughs> I knew from the moment that Matthew McConaughey walked in, I was like, he's going to do harm to the FBI agent, and I don't know why yet. I know yeah. he's going to. I knew he was as well, mostly just because I remembered and I had watched it, and so mm-hmm. I knew that the FBI agent was bad, but in my mind, I thought that it was Fenton still, and yeah. I thought that it was like, Fenton didn't get his calling from God until later in his life. I couldn't mm-hmm. remember. yeah. I knew there was going to be a twist mm-hmm. just because I sensed it in my bones. Right. I've never seen this movie before this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I had like my theories going mm-hmm. through my notes. And it was at one point I was like, I wonder if there is no Adam. If Adam is Fenton's imagination. Uh-huh. And Fenton like created Adam. And, as like a coping yeah, mechanism. Yeah, as a coping mechanism. Yeah. And so I knew that there was a twist. Yeah. I knew Fenton wasn't exactly who he said he was, but I didn't right. know there was just a swap of brothers. Yeah. I'm excited now to talk about horror because I have so many thoughts yes. on it once you know the twist. Yeah. I recommend that if you have seen this movie and you've only watched it once, watch, watch it again, it again because you'll, I think, I think that people's criticism of like some of the acting and some mm. of everything else, I think can be remedied if you just watch it again, yeah. knowing the twist. Yeah. And I'll say why. Cause I had this thought while watching it. Yeah. Remembered the twist and then was like, okay, this makes sense to me now. Um, so this movie's scary. I love it because of what you said of, like, mm-hmm. people vilifying him makes sense to me. And then when they don't, that freaks me out. Mm-hmm. Um, any family like this having that power freaks me out. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so scary because you're watching it from Fenton's point mm-hmm. of view this whole time, right? Like, you're seeing Fenton's flashbacks, him not idolizing his father, Adam idolizing the father, and all these things. But it's actually coming from Adam? So I think that, like, a lot of the lighting and stuff is so angelic. And so Mm. there's so much of that warm, angelic rim light around, like, the dad a lot. And I think that's supposed to be like, oh, it's because, you know, he thinks that there's a message from God. But I think because you're actually hearing it from Adam's point of view, you're seeing it. He thinks his dad is God. He loves his dad and he idolizes his father. So there's these subtle hints of it being Adam the whole time. Yeah. Never once, to, like, Fenton is angry, but yeah. he never vilifies his dad enough. I remember watching it and being kind of upset. I was like, mm-hmm. he is not as angry at his dad as I want him to be. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's Adam. Yeah. Adam is still giving his father this benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. And there's this moment where Fenton kills the dad. And it still is almost like, dang, like, they, they kind of made Fenton look shitty in that part. Like... It's because it's Adam. (laughs) And I think that's so scary. I think it's scary that he's pretending to be someone he's not, blah, blah, blah. And he's telling this story. And if you know the twist and go back, you can 100% tell. Oh, yeah. It's freaky. Yeah. And it's it's an unsettling movie, to be sure. Um, And like I read about, like, the murders happening in front of the kids. That's terrifying. The father getting these messages from God. Also terrifying. It being technically real, also really scary, but mm. 
like we talked about, does that make it okay? Yeah. I think especially because we don't know the context of some of the murders that happen. Yeah. Like, I'm going to ruin it again. Every person that he murders is a murderer in some way. I believe specifically they showed murders for every person. Yeah, the woman murdered a man in bed. Mm -hmm. The older man uh, kidnapped a young girl and killed Mm -hmm. her. And then the last guy? I don't think we actually see it. We never get to see his sin. Um, I think it's implied that they're all either murderers or like very intense like sinners in that way. Because they're demons. Right. But we don't have context for every sin. So like... Obviously, the guy who murders, like, kidnaps that little girl, fuck that guy. Yeah. But this woman who murders this man, who is that man? Is this an abusive husband? Yeah. Is it, You don't know. So it, like, just because she's done something bad, does it give these people the right, even though they've been sent from God, to just take justice into their own hands? Yeah. I also think there's room for doubt in terms of division. Oh. So, like... Yes. Most people tie two things together Uh where it's like, okay, so everything is confirmed to be real because people don't recognize Fenton or Adam. Adam. They don't recognize Adam after they've seen him because God is like covering their eyes so that they can get away with their godly mission. Right. You're assuming it's God doing that. Exactly. It could be any mystical force doing it and implanting these visions. So it doesn't have to be a noble purpose. It could be that there is a supernatural force at play. It's not who you think it is. And it's giving you false visions of people that are innocent. And it's like, and it also like, even though, yes, people don't recognize him, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's still just, I don't know. It freaks me out. Like, this man's a murderer. Like, part of me wants it to be that like this, there is no divine anything. And this is just luck. And this is blind luck. But the fact that he is not recognized by the like officer who saw him kind of takes that away yeah i feel like the most generous reading of that outside of supernatural is uh-huh. shock it, literally that's it but the videotape is the, supposed to be yes. like incontrovertible and that's why i'm like i guess it's hard to like make this anything but some kind of mystical force but it doesn't mean it's god yeah and i think one of the one of my favorite parts that i think re-watching it after you know the twist is uh the angel when he's under the car mm-hmm. and the father sees the angel come down because it's so out of place. And at mm-hmm. first I was like, this is weird. Like, I don't know if I like this. Because um, it's like, it, it is unlike the whole movie. Every, the costume is very detailed. The person in the thing almost looks so perfect. He's like, almost looks animated. Yeah. Like, and it's this really, really intense moment of an angel coming down from heaven. It almost looks cheesy. Yeah. But then I remember that this is all coming from Adam who idolizes his father and believes everything he says. Mm-hmm. So of course this vision's going to look over the top and wild because it's coming from someone who loved their father as a child and is remembering this from a child who take their innocence was gone. Like yeah. not a child anymore. So it made sense after that. And that freaked me out because I just can't imagine this, he, him growing up and just believing that vision for his entire life. What if it's not an angel? Just because your father is like, it's an angel. This kid was like, I, you got it. I believe you 100%. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert for Neverwhere, a book from like two decades ago that was originally a radio play. <laughs> if you haven't read it and you don't want to spoiler, skip ahead 30 seconds. Angels aren't always good. Yeah. The angel like, Islington, evil. Exactly. So that was another thing where I was like, just because like, 
And you know what's so funny too is that like I'm really happy that we did Let Us Pray right before this because yeah. literally one of the sins that the devil mm-hmm. takes them for and says like your fate is sealed yeah. is taking justice into your own hands yeah. and thinking that you, just because you can get away with it, yeah. you should. And that's literally what this is, mm-hmm. is a movie about somebody taking justice into their own hands in a violent, horrible way and then being like, we got away with it. Yeah. Does that make it okay? And like the distinction in their minds is destroying a demon versus killing a person. And so and he's like, I've never killed anyone. I've so only destroyed scary. demons. And to me, that is like, I haven't at all grown up in a religious community right. like that. But I have read the news <laughs> about uh, like sex of Christianity, mm-hmm. where it's sex. S-E-C-T-S. Sex. <laughs> Just to be clear. Uh, where it is like god's army type thing it is so it's like i have tangentially i can't speak today maybe i said that right maybe i, I didn't it sounded right to me thank you uh like not witnessed it but heard it and like perceived it and like yeah. i did know someone that was in prison for a while for attempting to blow up an abortion clinic oh goodness yeah uh so it's like i have not it's, i can't say i understand it but no. I can say I've been around people who have that mentality of for the greater good, for God, and it is it's, a battle. It is blinding to those pe- people who think these things. Uh-huh. And that's what this makes this movie so scary is that, like, he believes it 100%. And so does his father in, like, the whole flashbacks mm-hmm. and everything like that. He just 100% is like, these are demons. I have to kill them. Like, mm-hmm. And to them, that's just... They're making the world better. Yeah. But that's not, like, you... I don't know. It. It's just an upsetting movie. It makes yeah. you think. It makes you think a lot. Yeah. And it is uncomfortable. And I think I'm on Fenton's side the whole time, even when they try to vilify him, because it is coming from Adam's perspective. I think that Fenton, when he is in, the, like, digging the hole, and yeah. he's like, I didn't pray at all, yeah. but I did what I was told, because yeah. he knew that that's all he could do. And it's just... Uh, it's just an unsettling film yeah. and that's what makes it so scary and yeah. like the lighting is beautiful because mm-hmm. i think that it's so simple in the beginning because it's just like this classic town this like i almost felt nostalgic for this town even though i've literally never been there in my mm-hmm. life and didn't grow up in a town like this because they did a good job making it look homey and simple and like where you would picture growing up mm-hmm. like everyone knew each other you got the vibe you know like the mm-hmm. way he runs the sheriff and knocks on the door and like knows it says back in five minutes. I know he's in his house. Like there was a sense of familiarity between everybody there that made this town feel homey. Mm-hmm. So the flashbacks felt really pretty until they just weren't. But then they were still kind of like angelic because it's coming from Adam who thinks that it is. It's fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. Like, it's a lot to unpack. I have to look at my notes, my actual notes. Hold yeah, on. Yeah. Ugh. Um, and see what I wrote because I've got some stuff that's a little different. Let's see. Okay. Um, <laughs> my first note is I cannot believe that Frankie Muniz is not in this. <laughs> um, also, because I hadn't seen this in a long time, my second note is I was so sure that Matthew McConaughey was the cop. I guess he's not. He is. In the end, he is the sheriff. And I was like, I remembered correctly at least a little. So thank God. Um... I did like the acting of Matthew McConaughey a lot because I think that he's he's so tired mm-hmm. 
And I think that like, even though as Fenton, you're like, he's tired because he's had to like remember all this and he's just tired of having this memory. But then as you get to the end, you realize he's not tired because he's had to remember it. He's tired because he's still murdering. Mm-hmm. Oh my and God. Because he has a, he has a goal to get someone to a place to murder them. So yes. he's like, I gotta go to plan. Uh, yeah. He said something in the very beginning and I was like, this is biblical imagery. Yeah. He's going to also be a religious fanatic in some way where he says like, um, what is it? You haven't even heard me out yet. And yet you doubt me. Yes. And I was like, and yet you doubt me. Okay. So that's biblical phrasing. <laughs> yeah. When he said that, it creeped me out. I mean, anything that is aggressively like religious yeah. and, and people who like can't see past religion and that is what, that's all they see always kind of irks me and gives me a mm-hmm. little like, Ugh. Yep. so from the very beginning, I was kind of like, um, favorite line in the whole movie. Let's talk about it. I sure love peas. I watched that, that like five times. Yep. Yeah. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, he is scooping peas aggressively onto his plate, like the little kid. And he just goes, I sure love peas. Dude, I was so distracted because that is a very nice piece of cookware. It is a very nice. And I was like, how the rest of their house is not nearly as nice. No. Why do they have a really good pan in very good for the shape? Peas. Yeah. For, for peas. the peas. Come on. You gotta um, give the peas the best. You gotta do it. Um, this is a note. I'm excited to read it because I haven't, um, read these back since I, cause I didn't know the twist yet. Mm-hmm. I had forgotten. So I said intense white light on Bill Paxton in this moment is very creepy. This is when he's like telling them about what he saw in his dream and stuff. And you can tell like they've made him look godly to his children. And I said, uh, it's very creepy. And I said, also being able to hear Bill Paxton speaking while Matthew McConaughey is giving the voiceover of Fenton was super interesting mm-hmm. to me. Because um, it creeped me out. Because I pictured it when I still thought he was Fenton mm-hmm. as like, he can't hear his dad. He doesn't know what he's saying really because he's so frightened and just imagining this being done with and over. And I love that they had Bill Paxton's voice still happening in the background, but you have no idea what he's saying mm-hmm. because you can just hear Matthew McConaughey's voiceover as Fenton. As like a, I don't want to know what the fuck he's saying because I, it upsets me. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it's Adam. I, I wonder if it's more just that like it was excitement yeah. instead of fear. Damn. So cool. The, the two voiceovers going at the same time is just cool because like that can go wrong so fast and confuse you. But it just, they timed it well. I yeah. thought it was great. Um, the car angel freaks me out. But I, I get I get why now it too much is unnerving sometimes yeah yeah and i said i like the use of soft light um the white and yellow especially with the axe otis with the light pouring down into that that is a beautiful cool shot it's a gorgeous shot like it's just neat i mean and it's and it's ominous as fuck because if you see a light like that you're always like oh my god so beautiful and then it's leading to this fucking axe and a pair of gloves and you're like ugh what <laughs> and he was just like i don't know what these gloves are for and i was like why did you, you take maybe you didn't need the gloves maybe right? you only supposed to take the thought. axe i was like bitch maybe you weren't supposed to take those yeah. there's someone's gloves and yeah. then they're like oh it keeps us from and i'm like when he also said he's like i don't know what the gloves are for and i'm like fingerprints dumbass <laughs> have you ever murdered <laughs> i was like have you never split wood it's helpful to Duh. have guards on i was hands. just like blisters are no joke God. Um, God would know. Blisters are no joke. <laughs> God would know. Uh, I did say the, the kids creep me out, especially Adam, because um, he idolizes his father to a fault. Like, mm-hmm. to, like, I will do whatever you say and I do not care. It's almost like he just was so blinded by, like, the religion of his father and also he's younger. Yeah. That, like, to him, murder just wasn't wrong yeah. yet, which is weird. I, 
I don't know. It just no, it, I get that he was at an impressionable age, he, and more he so than his father. And then there's also that just implicit. Uh, maybe this is my uh, childhood speaking, <laughs> but that competition between siblings that uh, it oh, doesn't even 100%. have to be overt, but it's like, oh well, if you're rebelling against dad, then I'm gonna be on dad's right. side. And so there are so many things working against Adam. <laughs> yes, where Adam, it makes sense that he idolizes his dad. A hundred percent too, because like yeah, like like you said, the competition. I'm an only child, I wouldn't know, but I did get that vibe immediately. Yeah, where it's like every time Fenton would be like, oh, I don't like. I don't believe that. I'm not going to pray. Adam would be like, I did. I prayed. Mm -hmm. Adam just had to be the best. And now that you know that it's Adam's voice, it's like he's painting himself in such a good light. Mm -hmm. Even when you see him run at the man and kill him, there's this weird, like, there's this weird thing that you're supposed to feel bad for the dad. Yeah. And it's because Adam loved his dad. Like, yeah. Gotta watch this movie twice. This is a movie that like doesn't have a rewatch bonus. It has a rewatch necessity. Like yeah. you gotta you gotta see yeah. this from the it's perspective. It's a different movie the second time around. Yeah. Uh, I also they really don't show blood, and I think there's something scarier about watching the kids' reaction to the murders than seeing a murder itself. Mm-hmm. That's so scary. And I know we have a bunch of tropes about that. And we've talked about it. And it's just cool. I just think it's great that like there's really no blood in this movie. And if there is, it's on someone else. It's obscured because it's not the murder itself that's scary. It's why they're doing it and who is seeing it and mm-hmm. like taking away these kids' innocence. Um, yeah. I mean, these are mostly my notes. I think we've already covered like a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, slow descent down like the stairs in the dark on like Bill Paxton's face scared the crap out of me because you know that he's going to murder the sheriff, but mm-hmm. there's no reason to. Not that there's a reason to murder any of these people, yeah. really, but, like, you know that even if this is real, the sheriff's not bad. So why did he... he doesn't believe the kid. No! And so he could have left, and it wouldn't have mattered. No. But Bill Paxton's character is still just like, I gotta kill him, and you made me do this, and I can't believe you made me a murderer. And Bill Paxton already confirmed there were no other witnesses. Yeah. Because he said, like, oh, it's so embarrassing that my son said this in front of everyone at the station. He was like, oh, no, don't you worry. It was just me. Yep. He confirmed there was no one else, and the sheriff does not believe. That's another terrifying part, is that, like, to him, he said, there's a quote where he says, like, I was told by God that if you told somebody, someone would die. Yeah. And it's almost like he... Self-fulfilling prophecy. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Where, like, he felt like he had to kill him because he was like, well, they said someone would die. I guess it's him. In reality, it's him. He was the one that had to die if he told because Fenton knew that telling wasn't the answer. And by finding that out, he's fulfilled this prophecy of, like, the person dying is my dad. Yeah. And, oh, but the sheriff was, he didn't have to kill him. (laughs) Just an all-around spooky movie. Yeah. Those are most of my thoughts. If anything comes up that, like, I haven't thought of, I'll say it. Okay. But I want to hear your thoughts now because I've rambled. <laughs> so I'm just going to read a few of my uh, notes that I yeah, took yeah. as I was Love it. watching. Fuck you and the ambulance you rode in on. <laughs> uh, all's well and good until dad has a vision. Oh, God. Uh, Mom, when am I going to get my magic weapons? <laughs> I don't know. Soon. <laughs> uh, Bill Paxton's beer is so much like our boys in Dying Light. It's a Hefty can. Hefty can. Chonky. Thick. Hefty chonky big boy. Yeah. Hefty chonky big boy. Uh, then you gotta literally run away from your problems, otherwise they'll catch up. When he wants to go to the sheriff. And then yes! he's like, ah, he's like ah. I loved his frantic little yeah. arms. And I'm like, that is great. People probably saw that and they were like, well, it's kind of a weird scene to keep in. I'm like, no, no, no. You've never seen a kid run. You've never seen a kid <laughs> they run. don't know where their limbs are. 
<laughs> no, they do not. That's great. Uh, and then this last one is uh, when he's saying, like, we drove to, like, something, something, Texas, yeah, or, yeah. or, like, Jackson, Florida. I don't or know. Ja- it's Jacksonville. Yeah, cool. yeah. <laughs> it's like Which city, I don't know city. if that's Florida or Texas, but mm, either way, yeah. yes. I mean, he's there like, is a Jacksonville in Florida, but. He's like, you know, I, we'd never been there, but, like, we found it. Like, God guided us. And I was like, God gives better directions than MapQuest. Like, God was just like, don't even worry, I got you. God has his own Garmin, and he's just like, okay, turn left. Shit, fuck, no! It's like, Siri? Siri, please! <laughs> God made Siri so that he could lead the people yeah. to murder. Love that. God walked so Siri could run. <laughs> that made me want to just, I almost peed my pants. Oh, shit. I, oh my God. Ah, oh, those are good fucking notes. Um... One other thing that I thought of that when I was like, blah, 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 when I was watching this mm-hmm. is that like, it's interesting to me because God was like, hey, these people have sinned. You gotta kill them. Yeah. But like, isn't the whole like point of, and I don't know anything about religion, so mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but isn't the whole point of being a Christian that like, hey, God died or not God, Jesus. Who died? Jesus died. Jesus died. Mm-hmm. Someone died. Yeah. Jesus died died so that way everyone's sins would be forgiven as long as you confess right Mm -hmm. or whatever okay or something so it okay so several things (laughs) yeah Um, help me out here so yes jesus did die for our sins Uh uh other people's sins i've never sinned in my life i'm I'm perfect sorry (laughs) you just sinned against that mic shit fuck yeah they're gonna they're gonna get me the amount of squeaking in this chair is a sin like i I need to stop moving (laughs) bill paxton's gonna show up and just axe the fuck out of that chair (laughs) uh so yes but it also depends on what it depends uh, well yeah it depends mostly on your faith in terms of like what denomination what group what sect so, like, in terms of certain ones, like we talked about predestination. Yeah. No. Like, <laughs> salvation isn't Sorry. possible. But in some, it's all about being saved, and it's all okay. about repentance. And so, like, the church I grew up in, it's like, okay, as long as you ask for forgiveness, everything's fine. Um, which, me as a kid, I was like, so I can do anything. and just like, sorry about it. I, I didn't continue to do that as an right. adult. Um, but in this case... The distinction is that they are not humans. They're demons pretending right. to be humans. Okay. And so they're not killing people because they're not people. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because it was just like... And demons aren't worthy of forgiveness. They are that, inherently bad. And there sense. is no salvation for demons because they are antithesis to good. Right. In this universe. In this universe. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because it was just like... The, I, I From what I've learned from mostly media, it's just that like, oh God you know mm-hmm. jesus died to forgive your sins so like you can sin as long as you have faith but i guess the whole point is like they're demons yeah they don't have faith but and your point also does just entirely depend on what church you're in right because okay. there's like the sinners in the hands of an angry yeah. god and like it depends on time it depends on place okay. it depends on denomination like everyone has different ideas around salvation some people have the select yeah there's a lot even interesting it makes the movie even more interesting than that like like these people aren't seen as people because they've sinned so hard. Yeah. Like, uh, it's just wild. Yeah. And, like, the fact that Fenton is on the list because he killed their dad? Is he that... Was the, he was on the list before he killed their dad. True, I knew that. So it's like... But like oh, this wasn't, like, a correction to you. No, no, it's no. just, like, another, like, but predestination? Like 
Yeah, but like, that's wild to me. So like, they knew that he was going to, what, be a hinder to this plan? A hinder to this plan? He's going to be... A hindrance. A hindrance to yeah. this plan. Like, so immediately he was on the list. So that makes him a demon? What, yeah. because he didn't blindly follow you? Or it's because his future sin that you are leading to... So it's like, wow, wow, so he's that's chilling. Right. He's predestined to commit this sin, right? Mm-hmm. So because of that, you've put him on the list. Mm-hmm. But because he's on the list, they already know he's going to do this. So he knows that, like, there's so much. Mm-hmm. I have a headache, like, thinking about this in the beginning. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm, I'm freaking out. Yeah. But, like, Fenton has not committed any other crime no. other than murdering a man who has been murdering and took away his childhood. Yeah. So... It's, he uh, killed a man that was about to make him kill another man. Exactly. And so, then he had watched murder people that he perceived as innocent. I think that the ominous music at the end is good and makes sense. Yeah. Because Adam is not a hero. Adam is just somebody who, like, was given too much power and thinks that he can do whatever the fuck he wants with it. And he does Yeah. what he's told. But still, like... I think of Adam and Fenton as rival serial killers. Yes. Like that episode in Criminal Minds where there are two serial killers in the same town and they're both <laughs> trying to outdo the other one. And so in this case, it's just they both feel like they have a divine purpose. But does Fenton murder? Oh, yeah. Fenton's a serial killer. What? Yeah. I thought Fenton was just keeping... I thought Fenton had all of those articles and everything because he was keeping track of what Adam was doing. No, I think he was also a serial killer separately from Adam because they say like um, when Adam is in the cemetery in the Rose Garden, yeah, uh, the FBI guy is like, there are too many bodies here. Like the God's Hand killer only killed six. And he was like, this isn't where the victims are buried. This is where the destroyed demons are kept. Fenton keeps those in his basement. And then when they go to Fenton's basement, they find a shit ton of bodies in the basement. Do they? Yeah. I thought they only found one. Um, I thought they found the body of the sheriff, or the, the guy that they, was murdered. They find the sheriff's badge, but then I think they find other bodies. Because they say, like, did, was there more down there? And they're like, a lot more. Oh, shit. I'm doing a Google. Huh. Okay, because in my head, all mm-hmm. of the articles and stuff that he had, when he's writing at the mm-hmm. thing and, like, he's got all the articles, I thought it was him keeping track of Adam to be like, I need to know where he's going to strike next so I can try to be, stay one step ahead of him. I didn't realize that he was a fucking serial killer. What did you do to Fenton? <laughs> they yeah. fucked him up. Okay. Oh, I'm, my boy. I'm taking a pause just to make Please, sure. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I didn't realize. I thought that the bodies were placed there by Adam to incriminate him so that way Adam would be 100% taken off his list. Fuck, dude. Huh. Yeah, because I think there was something where Fenton, like one of them says, like he was leaving clues to lure the other one to him. Okay. Um, And then Adam leads them to Fenton instead basically because he's guided by god mm-hmm. huh so they fucked up my boy i was on fenton's side this whole time not knowing that he was just a fucking serial killer but like i'm not saying what he's doing is good god it's fucking not but like they destroyed his whole life and then made him a monster my boy it's also <laughs> oh no where we can say like as a child, he was not a villain. Like, as a child, he was a protagonist. And right. And then he had a traumatizing fucking childhood. I did and not realize. Yeah. That uh, sucks. That makes it so much more scary and so much more sad. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I'm on Fenton's side 100% for this entire fucking movie. And then 
to find out that he grew up to do the one thing that he hated his fucking father for. Oh my god. And that Adam gets away with... (laughs) This movie makes me mad! This is someone on Frailty Mm -hmm. Reddit. Uh, The twist is the visions were legitimate, legitimate, yes. Their victims were indeed demon-possessed, and Dad could see their sins by touching them, which is why blah, blah, blah. Fenton ended up growing to become a demon, and the two of them were collectively assumed to be the serial killer called God's Hand by the police. The police could not make a differentiation between the people killed by Adam and the people killed by Fenton because they were unaware that the ones killed by Adam were demons, while the ones killed by Fenton were innocent people. Oh my god. And before killing Doyle, Adam tells him he has killed Fenton and that Doyle's murder will also end up being attributed to God's hand killer as opposed to it being revealed to the world that he was a demon. God. Okay. Yeah. That's fucked. That sucks, dude. It makes it so much more sad. Yeah. It's it's a grim fucking movie. It is. It's a good movie. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, I enjoyed watching this, but it does. It, it hurts because, like, I, I root for Fenton so hard. Yeah. And then, oh, no. So, like, this is just a PSA to the world that Nikki is not in uh, favor of yes. Fenton's serial killings. I didn't killings. know, guys. Yeah. I, I <laughs> well, thought everything that... happens in, like, such a flurry at the end. Yeah. It's so easy I think I was that. so caught up in remembering that he was Adam that I was like, whoa. Yeah. I missed everything about Fenton. Well, in that moment, you're trying to switch. Like, you're going back retroactively through the movie saying, okay, when he said Fenton, he meant this. When he said this, he meant right. this. And so you're trying to do all it's that a whirlwind. mental math. And then he's, like, still giving background information. Right. And so you're trying to, like, realign everything. Yeah. And it's like, slow down. I'm it's still like, typing. It's like trying to follow a Bob Ross tutorial oh when you're God. just like, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> I'm not there yet, Bob. How do the trees get happy? How? Take me How? back two steps. He's just like, and there you go. Boom, you've got a lake. And you're like, maybe you do. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Okay. This makes more sense. It, it sucks, but it makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that just makes it scarier. Yeah. I, I'm ready for a scariest moment at this point. Okay. If you are. I am, yes. You do? Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go first? Or want me to go first? You. Okay. Um, there's so many that stuck out and like really do freak me out. But for some reason, there's one that like, when I was trying to recall which one I wanted to do, this one was like, yeah, that's it. It's uh, it's when um, Adam goes and he's like ready to kill Fenton and he knows like it's time and he walks up behind them and Fenton is at his desk. I don't know if he's typing or yeah. what he's doing. He's doing something. He's typing. Um, and he's like, it, he raises the ax and he goes to like basically murder Fenton and Fenton lifts his head and just goes, Adam? That's it. It... It freaks me out mostly because I was like, "Oh, it's it's finally done." Yeah, like the the one that you didn't necessarily want to win has won, but also now that I know Fenton's a fucking serial killer, how bad was it? It is the most conflicting moment of the yeah. not, of this movie is what it feels like. The whole movie has been like, "What do you want me to feel?" But this one hurts the most because it's like Fenton, no. Yeah. But also Fenton, no. Yeah. <laughs> For me, that sticks out the most. There are so many other shots that I think are more spooky and scarier and Mm -hmm. more dark. But this one felt the most um, painful to try to figure out. Yeah. So, yeah. My scariest moment is... um, Sorry, I got distracted by a reflection of light. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. It's really like squirrel. Whoa. (laughs) Um, I have an ongoing battle with the squirrel at my bird feeder. (laughs) I have a spray bottle. (laughs) I'm not surprised. Anyway, <laughs> Goose just watches. She doesn't, like, pounce or anything. I mean, oh, yeah. there is glass separating them, but I would like to think still... that my cat is a predator. No. It's fine. <laughs> She's used to She's the a life of luxury now. 
<sighs> she's gotten soft. I love that. Uh, she's so soft. Uh, my scariest moment. Mm-hmm. I had to tip tap first. <laughs> is uh, when they're about to murder the guy with the mesh shirt. Yes. The disgusting guy. Yeah. That is probably violent to his partner. Right. He's definitely just a shitty. He's a shitty person anyway. Shitty person. You don't see his sin, but like you can guess. You can guess. And he like takes them around back to get the pipe, and then he tries oh, no. to attack them. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. Well, he's laying on the ground, and Fenton has just axed his dad in the yep. chest, and so you see like his dad's dying breaths, and then Fenton runs over to try to he takes like off. this he takes off the gag, yeah. and the guy screams no! It is, and then suddenly there's Adam with an axe <sighs> that weighs more than him. Uh, and he fucking kills the guy. And so, like, to me, that moment where it's, like, I felt conflicted because I was, like, ah, you can leave him here. I mean, don't right. kill him to just, like, I'm leave like, him this here. this guy does suck. Yeah. Like... But then all of a sudden you're, like, why is he screaming no? And then suddenly it is so fast. Child snacks. Yep. Scary as shit. Yeah. That part was on my list as well. Yeah. It was, like, possible scariest moment because it's that man's fear. Yeah. It's that man's absolute – and you don't know what it is yet, but, like, you can kind of guess. Yeah. And it's just this, like – Oh no! So much has just happened, mm-hmm. and for what? Because you what? think I thought he was just like acclimatizing to the horror in which he was being placed, right? And nothing new was happening, right? No, it was a child running at him with an axe. <gasps> that part's absolutely terrifying. There's a lot of parts in this movie. I feel like if I watched it again, my scariest moment would change. It just depends on how you feel at the time, and I think for me, remembering the twist is what made that part so scary because mm-hmm. I was like. God, this sucks. Like, ah. Yeah. But that actually leads into a trope. Already? I'm pumped for tropes. Okay. Uh, So this trope, Uh asshole victim. Yep. It's like when the person sucks and then they're murdered and you're like, well. And so I think this is especially interesting alongside the twist. Yes. Because uh, asshole victim, I think it's interesting alongside the twist Mm -hmm. because there are like so many fucking layers to that scene because the first time you watch it, you're like, okay, he's an asshole. And Fenton just saved him, but then the asshole does get killed by a child with an axe, right. so then that sucks. But then on the rewatch, it's like, okay, this is an asshole. He probably sinned greatly. Yeah. And he gets saved. Oh, why'd he get oh, saved? And then what? he does get axed. So it's like this weird question of like, you view it differently based on who you think the hero yeah. is, or is ever it's oops all villains. It, it, I don't it's, know. It's mental gymnastics for this mm-hmm. entire movie, and it's like, mm-hmm. Jesus, I'm tired. Uh, I said I wasn't going to cover this, but I'm going to face my fears. Oh, boy. Chiaroscuro? Oh, you got that. I mean, that sounded good to me. Okay. Listen, it's the confidence of Thank it you. that is what will do it. I'm never going to say it again. Yeah. Uh, Why would you? There was, like, a book that I read when I was in, like, sixth grade or something. <laughs> and it was the name of, like, the mouse or something. Yeah. And I I confidently said, Chiaroscuro. <laughs> and I was uh, so roundly chastised and mocked that I never said it again <laughs> until this moment. Listen, I get it. I'm so proud of you. So that's like the play of like light and darkness. Yeah. Uh, and when um, the FBI guy and Adam are in the car going down the highway, mm-hmm. their faces are almost only ever half lit. Oh, yeah. And to me, that's like that duplicity yeah. and the darkness and the lightness and that ambiguity of who is the villain in this car. Right. Spoiler, both of them are the villains both. in the car. Uh, but then at this moment when FBI guy says you're hiding something from me, his entire face is illuminated. Ugh. And it, so like, there's just so much happening in terms yeah. of light and dark in that it's scene. It's really I cool. It. It's a high contrast film as well. Yeah. Specifically when it's Matthew McConaughey scenes, when he's older. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Cause that's when you know, and you're like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Jeez. 
Uh, the next trope is the family that slays together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh no. So this trope is basically just like a family of killers. Yeah. Like they, and there are a lot of different ways that it can uh, occur. Yeah. Usually it's like if there are two parents, then usually it's one child. If there's one parent, it's usually the dad, and there are two kids. That's, so like there's yeah. like a range of possible combinations, yeah. but this fits pretty neatly into single dad, two children. Yeah. Uh, and to me, this is a really popped in my cool. Uh, the family unit is like sacred in America. Yeah. It's yeah. supposed to be like in, I'm not saying it is, but in our popular imagination, it is like the uh, most important unit of like membership or yeah, like, like connection. Yeah. And so it's like we talk about like the nuclear family and how like haunted houses always target like a family with children because right. there's supposed to be something sacred about that bond between them. Yeah. And so you take your most hallowed institution and you're like and they're also killing people there's Ugh. some cult stuff going on here it this will probably come up when we do uh we are what we are as well mm, yeah. but yeah that's yeah. similar there's it's like mm-hmm. yeah um it's often connected to um the cannibal clan yeah which is a trope where it's like they're also cannibals right yeah Whew. um and then next is insistent terminology mm-hmm. and this is interesting in the light of the twist Right. Because insistent terminology can be used for humor, usually. Yeah. But it's like, we don't prefer the term murder, we prefer the term destroy. (laughs) Right, yeah. And in this case, it's like, to him, it's like not like sugarcoating something. To him, it it is a difference. Right. And a lot of other things, like, we prefer the term like, let go instead of terminated from life. (laughs) So it's usually used in comedy, but in this case, it's like, oh, we destroy demons. Which adds to the yeah terrifying yeah and then uh this is so dumb punny name yeah uh, i didn't get let us pray but i got this one the meeks shall inherit it's a thing the meek shall inherit yeah, the earth yeah yeah the meeks oh, shall the inherit, meeks shall inherit. Yeah, yeah yeah dang that's good okay and i kept the other one short so i could dig into this next one yeah tomato in the mirror oh interesting mm-hmm. okay i had to go back a few pages to yeah. figure this one out uh, I read the whole page and I was like, why is it a tomato? Why is it a tomato? <laughs> Where did the tomato come from? Uh, well, it's a reference to a tomato surprise. So then I went back to that trope page. Okay. I'm going to read you a direct quote. I'm ready. The resolution of a plot, usually but not always for speculative fiction, with the sudden revelation of some important detail which has been deliberately hidden from the viewer. Yeah. Unlike most twists, however, this detail is usually known to all or most of the characters and it's often something that they would consider an obvious and mundane detail. Often, had this detail been made known at the beginning of the story, much of the dramatic tension would have been missing. Yeah. The tomato surprise, however, is only a surprise due to the narration withholding important information that yeah. the reader might reasonably have expected to have been told up front. Yeah. So, like, the story is not as you probably assume set on Earth, or the protagonist is not as you probably assumed a human being. Yeah. If done well, a tomato surprise can make for a stunning ending with a powerful impact. If it's done poorly, it looks like an asshole. <laughs> yeah. uh, while this trope is often used for a dramatic effect, it can be used to illustrate a moral or ethical situation in such a way as to invoke a different set of prejudices. Once the viewer has fully understood the dilemma as it applies in their assumed environment, the author reveals the assumption is false and the circumstances are different, leading the viewer to reconcile new conclusions with old prejudices. Interesting. Okay, okay. So that's tomato surprise. Yes. Okay. And the trope name, the tomato, mm-hmm. 
comes from, this is still a direct quote, okay. comes from a set of writer's guidelines distributed circa 1980 by Asimov's science fiction magazine written by its then editor, George Scythers. C, nope, S-C-I-T-H-E-R-S. Scythers? Scythers? Who's to say? You can say anything right now. It'd be fine. I thought you said scissors. I thought you said sizzler. It's like, what? Perfect. Yeah, the guidelines. That guy named the trope mm-hmm. and gave us as one of the examples hiding the fact that here is in fact a tomato uh, okay. so that's why it becomes a tomato surprise so okay. it can be a form of unreliable narrator yes but okay generally the mm-hmm. narrator isn't lying they're just not giving you the entire picture right so like certain so details, it's not that they're unreliable it's that they are purposely withholding information kind of thing or, or like they just don't say it because it's so obvious as to okay. like well of course it's a cat like yeah okay yeah so in this case, he's straight up lying to the FBI agent. Right. Um, it's also, interestingly, the opposite of dramatic irony. Because oh. dramatic irony is when the audience knows something that the characters don't. Oh. And in this, the characters knew something that the audience lied doesn't. to. Okay. Isn't that That's wild. wild. God, yeah. that's good. I was like, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> uh, so then around this point in the entry, I was starting to think maybe it's not a case of tomato in the mirror. And so right. I kept reading, quote, if the twist comes as a surprise to any of the characters, it's not an example of this trope. Contrast with Tomato in the Mirror, in which the protagonist, rather than just the audience, learns a surprising fact that causes everything that came before to be reevaluated. Yeah. If the twist comes as a surprise to the protagonist, it's probably a Tomato in the Mirror rather than a Tomato Surprise. Yeah. However, when you read about the Tomato in the Mirror, it's usually like, I thought I was a real boy. It's very much like the protagonist is not who they thought they were. Yeah. And it's not like, um, it depends who you think the protagonist is. Right. And so on the first watch, you'd say the FBI guy is the protagonist right up until the point where it's revealed that he murdered his mother. Right. So it wouldn't be a tomato in the mirror because it's someone else that's suddenly revealed to be something entirely else. Oh, God. But if we're watching the movie with the knowledge that Fenton is, in this movie's universe, a demon, then his tomato in the mirror moment is when he's locked in a cellar and realizes he's actually a demon. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I went in circles and never decided if it's a tomato in the mirror, a tomato surprise. It depends what you see as the truth. It depends who you view as the protagonist. Which is so hard. It, yeah. It'll change every time. Yeah. God. So with that tomato, with that's that girls. tomato. That was great. God, that... Jeez. I love this movie. I'm yeah. just saying. <laughs> like, that means it's time to rate this movie, which means we have to choose. Uh-uh. Oh, God. <laughs> Never-ending protagonist. There's just so fucking many. Right? Um, I had one idea the entire what time. What was your idea? Trophy angels. I called it bowling angels because I thought it was a bowling trophy. It could be a bowling <laughs> it trophy. It could be a bowling trophy. Yeah. Should we just go bowling angels? Yeah, we should. Like, I'd love to see question? an angel bowl. Yeah. You know? That you would like Welcome to Nightville then. Oh, then yeah. The angels yeah. love bowling. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How many bowling angels are we going yeah. to? I've got mine. I'm ready. Okay. If you are. I am prepared. Okay, you ready? Yes. Three, two, one. Hey! <laughs> we have been really just on a wavelength yeah, the last for few. For sure, for sure. Uh, we, we both gave it four and a half. Yes. Um, I'm giving it four and a half because yeah. I simply love this movie and I have seen it before and I still fucking forgot the twist and still learned something that I didn't know. I didn't know Fenton was a fucking serial killer. Yeah. And it has changed this whole movie for me and... Like I said before, it's not a rewatch bonus. It's a rewatch necessity. It's yes. still that because I feel like I have to watch it now with the knowledge that Fenton is a serial killer. Like, 
It's a lot. I'm, I feel like it doesn't matter how many times I'm going to watch this movie. I'm never going to know who I am supposed to root for. And yeah. I'm always going to hate Adam. But I'm always going to feel bad for Fenton. But yeah. hate what he's doing. Basically what I'm saying is this movie has kept me on my toes. Yeah. And also it's very pretty. And I think mm. that it's... I think that the acting and I think that the cinematography is very deliberate. Yeah. Because it is coming from the memory of someone who idolizes their father and of course is going to hear his voice in an over-exaggerated because at first I didn't like Bill Paxton's acting in this I was like it's kind of weird it's kind of over the top but I think it's on purpose I think that he's you're remembering it from Adam's point of view which is that he loves his father and everything he said of course is going to be dramatic and so important so of course it's going to sound over the top and I think that it makes sense I think everything feels deliberate and that's why I love it there I just keep it short yeah it's fucking good so I get four and a half bowling angels uh Mm -hmm. because pretty much of what you said like I when I was going through my notes I was thinking about the rewatch in terms of like dialogue and plot I was not thinking in terms of the lighting in terms of the sound in terms of like the halo of light and so when you said like if you watch it from Adam idolizing his dad it changes the way you view everything yeah and I was like shit (laughs) so it's like i need to rewatch that so then i understand the lighting and the direction better yeah and because i obviously i try to pay attention to the lighting and i try to pay attention to all that just so i can talk about it Mm -hmm. so i noticed it and i went it's kind of weird but yeah okay sure and then once i realized it was adam i was like it all made sense yeah so i was like you gotta rewatch it everybody watch this movie twice even like watch it more than that but definitely do it twice no matter what for sure for sure just because like you'll you'll pick up on stuff that you're like what the fuck yeah. So that's that's quite a few bowling angels. Yeah, that's not a um, you know, a full not per- 10 perfect 10 because, you know, you got to keep them wanting more. It's a spare. Yeah. <laughs> I was like it's a split, it's not a split. <laughs> I was trying to remember bowling terms. Spare. And I was like I know what a turkey is. I know like, what a turkey is. <sighs> spare, that's it. Thank you. Yeah. We give it a spare. We give it a spare. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that is is good. Yeah. I, I highly recommend it. I really do. I yeah. think that it's weird and yeah. it's for, for a movie that's free on YouTube, listen, guys, you're going to have a good time. Yeah. It's whew, it's weird. And I yeah. think if you watched Let Us Pray with us last episode, mm-hmm. you're going to like this one a lot because it's just yeah. so opposite but also so similar. Like yeah. the sins are similar, but like the way it's handled and the way people are viewed is so different. Yeah. It's weird. It, it's And I think it's, it's am- good. <laughs> amazing that it was not intentional that we paired nope. these movies together, but having watched them like – one week apart to me just feels really incredible. Feels incredible. It feels so right. Yeah. Like I now I, I can I don't know. I can appreciate things in each movie yeah. with seeing the other one so yeah. close to the other. Like, so like step aside, Death Note, make room for frailty. <laughs> Get out of here, Death Note. Yeah. Highly recommend watching this one and mm-hmm. that one and just both are great. Yeah. And this one is so interesting. Oh yeah. I'm glad I rewatched it because it's I haven't seen it since I was young and yeah. I think that I appreciate it a lot more now. <laughs> Good stuff. No Frankie Muniz, but listen, yeah, that's okay. Not everything can have Frankie not Muniz. Not everything can have Frankie Muniz and Daniel Radcliffe. You freak. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just <laughs> saying that I thought it. Yeah. Briefly. Oh, God. So but that I, wraps up our discussion of frailty? Yeah, I think right? so. Awesome. I had a lot of spit in my mouth. Well, <laughs> uh, if you enjoyed your time with us, we would greatly appreciate it if you'd rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That's the one that helps people find us the most, but you can rate and review on any yeah. podcatcher so like spotify podcast addict etc uh it helps other people find us and we also just love reading what you say yeah and things that you enjoy 
You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Just Cool With It. And every Wednesday, except this week, we're we'll, still gonna do it. We're still gonna do it. We've done it by the time you listen to this. We've yeah. done it. Everyone shut up. <laughs> we post the movie of the week as well as where you can watch yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, so check out our extended show notes on our website, justcoolwithitpod.com. Or maybe even take a look at our Patreon at patreon.com slash justcoolwithit. And we'd like to take this opportunity to thank oh, our patrons. Love them. Kim, Kelly, Nihar, Will, Rachel, Kelsey, Sula, Tim, Beth, Kayla, Meg, Katie, Morgan, Brady, Kenny, and Janice. Woo! I, I always do a little dance, but I try to keep it subtle because that one time I really distracted you. I went hard in the paint. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I can't. I'm sorry. I just, I get excited. I, get I love our patrons and I love our Patreon. Yeah. It's fun and we have good stuff. It's a good time. Always good. The intro and outro music was created by Anthony Rocazella. The cover inspired Mary and Nikki Solomon. All right, all right, all right. Wow. That's my really good Owen Wilson impression. <laughs> yeah, Do you like yeah, it? I love it. <laughs> Give me your best Owen Wilson impression. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he would go, all right, all right. <laughs> What's the one that Owen Wilson actually? Wow. wow. You did it. You did it a minute ago. I know. I forgot that. <laughs> Hold on, don't change a thing, no notes. Abhorrent.